Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Today's podcast topic is how to select a 3PL with Joe Lynch and Adam Robinson. But Adam is not here. (laughs) Today's podcast is a little different format. Usually I interview an expert from the logistics or supply chain industry, but not today. Today's podcast, I was interviewed by Adam Robinson for his podcast. You might remember Adam was on my podcast a few weeks ago. Wonderful insights. Adam is the marketing manager over at Cerasis, and they have their own podcast. It's called The Freight Project. They share some really great insights over there, so check it out if you have not already done so. So Anyway, Adam had me on his podcast about two weeks ago, and what you'll hear after I shut up here is me and Adam discussing the topic, how to select a 3PL with Joe Lynch and Adam Robinson. Well, hello, the great Joe Lynch. It's great to have you on The Freight Project Podcast, finally. It is fantastic to finally get your thoughts and your insights ready for our listeners. Now, just a note here, Joe uh, Lynch of the Logistics of Logistics.com. He and I have known each other, wow, almost seven years now when I just first started out doing research about this industry, becoming the marketing manager here at Saracis. The first person I found was Joe Lynch. And I said, I got to know that guy because he's writing content that I want to mirror. And to this day, through his website and now his growing podcast, of which I was fortunate enough to be a guest on a few weeks ago, still telling the story of the logistics industry. And that's why we have him on today. So we'll get to the topic here in a moment. But Joe, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and why you're going to be a perfect guest for today's topic. (laughs) Hey, thank you so much, Adam. I I really appreciate you having me on your podcast. I am a listener and uh, uh, a good friend. I've I've really, I've learned so much along the way from what you've done here at Saracis. But um, my background is I started my career. I was born and raised in Dearborn, Michigan. And uh, I I went into automotive, very predictable when you live in, in Ford country. And uh, I spent 20 plus years working in automotive. I was uh, uh, an engineer and then I was a program manager. I spent a lot of time in China and Thailand throughout the uh, 90s. And then uh, as automotive melted down in 08, 09, uh, I had the opportunity not to work in automotive anymore. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the, the, the market made a job job change choice for you. It sounds like yeah, and it was and it, it was funny as you know, at the time it seems devastating, but I just about the same time I had an opportunity to go join a great three PL that everybody was struggling then. Um, I jumped in and I was the general manager and COO of a three PL in Ohio that we eventually moved up here to Michigan, and I fell in love with this business. I. I I love how entrepreneurial this business is. Automotive is filled with giants. This place uh, in transportation, logistics, warehousing, 3PL services is filled with a whole bunch of uh, 
very competitive, uh, smaller companies. So I've really enjoyed my time. After I ran that little 3PL as the general manager, COO, I ended up starting the logistics of logistics first as a blog, which is where I met you, Adam. And then um, now I work with transportation logistics companies, helping them grow their sales. And it's doing a lot of the things that you've done for Saris, Adam, as you know, it's, it's this digital marketing. We do a lot of coaching. Uh, the world has changed. It's not all about making 100 phone calls a day, although we can help you make 100 phone calls a day. A lot That's of right. what we believe is uh, y- y- you have to be an expert. I think the world of shippers and supply chain people are looking for experts. You should be one of those experts. Well, you know, LeBron James, very talented man, right? And I think as he saw by not making the playoffs this year when he moved to the Lakers is that you probably need a solid coach and you need a good team and management around you. Even the greats uh, are still putting in the hard work of, you know, day-to-day grinding it out, just like the cold callers of the world are. You need to supplement that. But the smart ones understand about optimization and using your team and your network effect to give you results. And that's how you ultimately are going to win. And those great experts and coaches by shippers are needed now more than ever. The world is definitely changing. We're having crazy disruption in the freight brokerage industries right now. Uh, LTL is really becoming increasingly complex itself, thanks to parcel volumes increasing and people consolidating and going LTL or You know, as the spot market gets a little bit, you know, wonky here and there, or there are any capacity issues, we might see some deconsolidation into LTL as well. And with the economy humming a little bit here now, uh, we're seeing a lot more LTL shipments go out uh, as people try to navigate, you know, market forces that are changing, including uh, different government regulations around the world and as people continue to buy more and more online. So an expert like Joe Lynch is very handy and why you are perfect for today's discussion. And just a note to our podcast listeners, going to change the format just a little bit. Since Joe and I are really, you know, fans of this industry, we really love it. And our, our phone calls that are not recorded, we tend to just have a nice conversation anyway. He's going to talk about and reference an article he wrote on the logistics of logistics called The Nine Areas Around 3PL Selection Criteria for a High Volume LTL Shipper. And in fact, Joe, didn't you just do this for a 3PL up in where we're headquartered, Minnesota? Uh, yeah, it was, I helped, I helped a, sh- a large shipper up there select a 3PL, but, um, this uh, article I think came from, uh, years ago, I was, um, invited to speak at a conference on, and it was, uh, ISM, I think in super for supply management, which is mostly purchasing guys. And they, um, the purchasing guys really didn't have a, a sense for how to buy, um, or how to select a 3PL. So I was asked to do that. And actually, this is the first webinar I did. So I've just kind of expanded on this topic. And, you know, <laughs> I, I know I've seen you write articles on the same topic, Adam. So you know how that goes. I look at what you do and go, oh, okay, yeah, Adam talked about that. I'll have to add that to my next one. So this <laughs> is just keeps evolving. Well, that's right. You know, and as a 3PL ourselves here at Saracis, we, you know, ultimately understand that shippers need to do the best thing that's uh, the best fit for their desired outcomes. That may sometimes be working with Saracis, you know, if uh, you're really concerned with domestic transportation freight management in all those surface modes, or maybe another company who, you know, handles container shipping, or maybe you just 
need something for full truckload and you can use a digital freight matching apps that are now on the rise. But, you know, a lot of shippers where they need to start first is understanding the various 3PL business models. So you have a really good rundown list here. We're going to go through the the nine areas one by one. So the first thing is level set. Tell us a little bit about the, the 3PL business models that are out there and maybe a few pros and cons about them. Yeah. So Adam, I think that uh, to your point, there's uh, the right situation for every shipper. And we're talking a high volume LTL shipper, not the one or two a week. We're talking guys who might, you know, ship, I'm thinking 40, 50 or more LTL, maybe 25, but ambitious uh, shippers. They need, they need to pick the right partner. And so one of the things you often run into is with um, when you're selling this stuff is somebody will ask you, are you asset based? Do you actually own those trucks? And the advantage of owning those trucks is obviously um, I, I can say where those trucks are going to move. Um, the the A lot of times you'll run into shippers when you're selling this type of services. They only want to work with asset-based uh, companies. So the challenge you might run into is uh, unless you're talking to one, two, three, uh, three or four national LTL companies, nobody else, none of the rest of the carriers can't cover the whole U.S. So if you say, I have mostly regional, but some freight that has to go all around the country, an asset-based company is sometimes going to struggle to manage that freight. Um, Again, the upside is you do have trucks and you can say, I know where my trucks are today. But if you ever work for a company that owns those assets, you'll find yourself never never selling your own assets. What you always find is you're brokering it anyway. And um, is it possible that you might have multiple of those asset-based 3PLs just to handle that coverage? And wouldn't that, you know, increase the amount of contacts, kind of maybe even increasing your time needed to manage all of that freight? Yeah. Is that a possible drawback? Yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah, you could be say, look, I wanted to go directly. I only want to work with carriers. Okay, great. Who's going to provide your TMS? You might have four different carriers you're working with. Um Who's going to manage those four carriers? If you want to do that internally, go ahead. But um, I'm a I'm a big believer you should do it. Um, uh, they should hire three PL to manage that. And usually, the th- now the big advantage of the three PL is bringing a TMS and hopefully some expertise in negotiating, measuring, and managing uh, the carrier base. Now, would that be closer to what we call a non-asset-based 3PL who who maybe has more of that flexibility? Tell me a little bit about yeah. the pros and cons of non-asset. Well, the 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 first the first is you have to go broker the freight. But again, if you work at a bro- if you work at an asset-based company, a lot of times they're brokering freight. So I don't see it as a real downside. Um, it, it's kind of where you want to spend your money. One company might decide we're going to grow by buying assets. Another says, I'm not buying assets. I'm going to invest in technology and people and relationships and uh, carrier management people. And, and um, I'm, I'm a big believer that th- that's a good fit for probably most shippers. Uh, some are going to want to big, especially larger companies, I could see maybe go to asset-based, but most people are going to do best with either a non-asset-based 3PL or an asset light 3PL. Asset light being a little bit of a mix. I don't. I, I think asset light is a, a bad word, uh, or the, the wrong word. It should. I think it should be hybrid, <laughs> and that's that's for you know companies that might own some assets, but also broker a lot of freight. Right, and there's a you know a, a varying different models beyond even that non-asset or asset you know label. 
or, or hybrid, as you explain. And at the end of the day, you know, when it comes to the best business model, you need to, you know, bring those things to the table and ask those questions. And I think obviously in the last decade that you and I have been really focused on this industry, it seems like that asset-based requirement is slowly lifting from a lot of shippers. They they understand the use of, you know, technology and being a little bit open, kind of like open source, uh, you know, development, the difference between maybe what an Android OS is versus an Apple. An Apple can be a closed down system. While you might have more control over that system, you sometimes, you know, have some frustration because you can't use, you know, the USB 3.0 cord like you can in all other, you know, charging environments. You have to have a special Apple dongle or whatever that is. So there's uh, there's benefits and drawbacks, obviously, to those different business models. Yeah, and Adam, if I could add something, I think if you're, I used to sell these three PL services, um, and when you're a non asset based company, sometimes you'll hear people just in the supply chain shippers will say, "Oh, you're just a middleman," and um, what I would always say is, if I don't add value in the middle then that's all I am as a middleman. So I feel very strongly if you're that non-asset based 3PL, provide something of value in the middle. So you say, yeah, we're the middleman, but we provided transportation management system that's very valuable. It helps you understand what's going on in your freight. But also, we're the middleman that lowered your price. (laughs) So those are some real values. And I always used to say, hey, you don't buy your bananas by the ton from from South America, you you go to the grocery store. The grocery right. store is a middleman, but you don't call them that. <laughs> That's right. Well, you know, and and speaking of you know these business models, uh, you know, one of the things that's pretty important, especially those those non asset, and I think this is perhaps where maybe the requirement of being asset based or the suspicion of non asset came up is to look at financial stability, you know, and I think, again, this is another area where the reputation and the trust in, in the brokerage or 3PL world is increasing, is that there used to be a lot of fly-by-night freight brokers. All you needed was a computer and a phone, and you could arrange freight, and maybe technically call yourself a 3PL, and maybe you weren't. You were just one person in a basement. Uh, so I think that's what brings us to the second key point, and it's about doing due diligence. So tell us a little bit about that financial stability area of 3PL selection? What's important in there? Yeah, I think you want to, obviously, there are some uh, liabilities that you're going to be responsible for if you go work for, work with um, a 3PL uh, that is um, in financial trouble. I think I th- believe that they move freight for you and they don't pay the carrier you have to pay. Uh, even if they even if they took your money, so there's some real issues that you run into. I, I I won't speak to the legality of it. It's just obviously a bad thing to be working with somebody who's in financial trouble. Plus, if you don't pay your bills on time, you don't get good rates from the carriers. I, I heard um, a company uh, that I worked with, large trucking company, say this to me. What they always prefer is that the shipper have their CFO talk to the CFO of their company. So I have the, have the three PL CFO and the shipper CFO um, have a meeting of the minds. Cause you and me, Adam, I think that's probably uh, out of our wheelhouse. Uh, let somebody right. else who, <laughs> who understands what financial stability is, let them have that discussion. Important, definitely an important point though. You don't want to skip it. Well, I think that's key. Just uh 
furthers the company alignment. You know, uh, I think when when folks are onboarding or maybe there's a technology project like an integration, you know, you want to match up the technology people. Um, and so that way they can really just have those substantive conversations and you can feel that relationship start, you know, even in your own search, you may not even pick that 3PL that you're having those meetings with, but I think it's important by the time you select one that you've put those kind of players together to vet out the possible, uh, you know, projects that may happen or what needs to be covered. Because even, even beyond financial stability, you're going to get to a point where you talk about, you know, payments between, you know, carriers and, and the company, et cetera. Yep, absolutely. Okay. So now that we kind of get the money aspect out of the way, we want to make sure that they're a legit company that the shipper sees that they have, you know, uh, some history and are able to uh, work <laughs> and move your freight without going out of business, leaving you hanging. Uh, let's get to that third point. So we're going to talk a little bit about drilling down on on what the shipper needs. So there may be some spe- specialization. And I think it's key to also kind of understand the 3PL's current customer base and if they've done, you know, similar freight or similar industries. So tell me a little bit about that, Joe. Yep. So uh, the, the tendency, and I think it's getting better, but there's a tendency in this uh, great business of ours is for people in the sales space to say, oh, we can do that. And and then after they say they can do it, then they go look for the partner who can help them. And so <laughs> if you're going to work with somebody who's going to be, if we're talking right now, high volume LTL shipper, you want to know that the guys that you're considering moving your business to do work with other high volume LTL shippers. And ideally, let's just say you're in retail and you say, we're, uh, we, we're doing quite a bit of LTL shipping. I want my new 3PL or my prospective 3PL to say, yeah, I work with companies just like yours. And maybe even check those references. We'll get into that in a minute. Um, I also like the idea that they might have some specialization, that they know something about that industry. I don't want you learning on my dime. You should be an expert in my space. Somebody is. So if I, if I work at Lowe's and I'm, I'm, I'm looking for an LTO company. I'd be really happy if they said, yeah, we move stuff for Costco or for Walmart. Oh, good. I get that. Very similar companies. Um, And think kind of closely related to that, Adam, is this idea of transactional versus strategic. There are some 3PLs that choose to be transactional and then others who really push to be strategic. And there's a lot that do both. But if you are looking for a strategic partner, don't go to a company that doesn't have very many shippers as strategic partners, right? That's right. And and one last topic, one last um, piece on that is I like customized solutions. I, I don't like the idea of uh, my business, which I value very greatly, uh, is going to be just another project that goes the exact same way. Give me a customized solution because uh, that's that's what every large shipper should be looking for in my mind. Yeah. And we, and we've, we've seen that in our, you know, our own progress as a company, you know, we'll bring on maybe a wholesale distributor, you know, who has thousands and thousands of vendors. And, you know, primarily we were handling those inbound freight pickups for that distributor or previously by, you know, phone and email. 
and using our freight desk agents to schedule those pickups with our customers' vendors. However, once you times that by a thousand, uh, one, our own business model and scaling that, we would have to hire a bunch of freight desk agents. So what did we do? We simply developed a vendor portal where that person can log in with their own username and login, connects to that shipper's you know, own uh, portal, that technology, so it collects all that data. And the vendor is able to have a much easier relationship with our shipper as well because they're easy to book freight on their own, not dependent upon a response from a freight desk. So uh, now, obviously, all of our customers get access to that capability. And it kind of leads me into this this next area. And I think this area is getting increasingly important. Uh, the area of transportation management systems. Uh, you know, does, yes. the, <laughs> does the 3PL offer one? And and what are the details of that offering, right? And so can you talk a little bit about maybe some of the bullet points that a shipper should focus on when it comes to not only transportation management system, but just the technology capability at large by 3PL? Yeah, Adam, we've, we've had so many conversations about this over the years, but it obviously... Uh, the all the advancements in logistics in the last five seven years has been in uh, technology, and so if you're a shipper and you say I, I'm looking for a three PL, they had better be on the I won't say cutting edge, but they have better be very close to the cutting edge when it comes to transportation uh, management and uh, or warehouse management or whatever technology you might be needing. And I think this is something that's that's um, finally soaking in for a lot of shippers is when you're picking that that uh, uh, 3PL, definitely have your technology guys talk to their technology guys. See if we can't get some integration to happen because that didn't always happen in the past. And then also um, recognize that a company like Saracis has spent a fortune on transportation management systems and they have a whole bunch of guys who are managing it. I'm all, I don't know that for sure, but I suspect there's a few guys in the background handling it. A lot of oh, yeah. shippers have this idea that I'll just go buy some transportation management software off the shelf and we'll, we'll implement it. First off, who's going to implement it? It's not that easy. And then secondly, who's going to manage it? Because there's all those contracts that and all the, the data and keeping that system running 99% um, online, not easy. So they so by going with a 3PL that has a lot of technology and has that expertise you're avoiding a massive investment not only in the technology oh, yeah. but in the people even if you had the money it just will take some time to get it up to speed so you want to you're basically saying I don't have to buy that I don't have to get my I don't have to hire a whole bunch of techies let let the 3PL do it absolutely you know and I think that's one of the things that we've seen I just uh uh had a podcast episode recently where we talked about change management and TMS adoption. And that really had nothing to do with, you know, our own development team or our network uh, team that makes sure our Saracis Raider, our TMS is running 100% of the time and, and meets, all, you know, shippers needs. It was all about really uh, how good is the 3PL at helping you cross the chasm or chasm, however you want to say it, of change uh, from maybe uh, an in-house TMS that your team developed or another one you were using or none at all to our new system. And I think that really was all about our focus, understanding that technology is not just enough. 
to get to the ROI of hiring a 3PL like Saracis. It requires really a lot of thought and a lot of operational excellence to implement the solution so everybody uh, is able to get that ROI and, and see the results of that true partnership. And that actually brings us to that fifth point, operational excellence of your criteria selection points. You know, operational excellence refers to the best practices and activities that are going to get those desired business results. We'll get right back to the podcast in just a moment. If you sell transportation or logistics services, the Logistics of Logistics can help you sell more. Our customized program will help you understand your sales personality, including your strengths and blind spots, get more sales leads, and improve your communication and salesmanship. We can also position you as a recognized industry expert and help you reach your target audience. To learn more, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com. And now, back to the show. Can you kind of talk about some key areas within operational excellence that a 3PL really should consider? Yep. Adam, I'm a big believer that everybody who's selling transportation and logistics services, warehousing services, they should have a, um, a, a good grounding in uh, in that business. They should understand and they shouldn't just be selling um, <laughs> they shouldn't have been selling paper last week and now I'm selling 3PL services. I love seeing experts in the business. If you could say I started off on the background and now I'm selling it, that's great. But what I'm looking for in a 3PL is uh, I'm not against sales. I, I, I do a lot of sales coaching. That's my business. I'm not against sales, but what if, if sales is all there is, if sales is like the real strong muscle and you go, and then you go visit them and you go, oh, they don't have uh, – they don't have the pieces in place. They don't have um, good processes in place and processes for like uh, bringing me on board. Are you going to train me? Do you have a technology? Uh, do you have a technology map that you can show me where you're going next? Are, do, can you show me a project plan for bringing me on board and training my 300 suppliers? Right. Uh, show me how you manage the carriers. Show me. Show me how you mitigate risk. There's all these things that good ops guys expect and you should provide it. And, you know, continuing on scorecards, I, it drives me crazy that I don't see good scorecards from a lot of companies. So we're selling, when we sell transportation logistics services, we're selling to ops guys. At some point, they're going to want to see um, that you have operational excellence in your organization. And I think, I think that in the logistics and transportation space, we've gotten very used to in this recent years to uh, onboarding and implementation and, and being really good. Uh, but uh, I still think we have a lo- little ways to go. And the reason I say that is I'm from automotive where uh, operational excellence is uh, required because you're a manufacturer. Well, it's a safety thing, right? I mean, yeah. you gotta, you're, you're, you're building a machine that people go a hundred miles an hour in. Yeah. So I, my, my sense is that we're getting better and better. And I think certainly the larger companies all have that. Uh, but, uh, you don't want to be a company that's just sales forward. You want to be able to say, yep, we're sales forward. And we also have operations in the back that nails it. Well, you know, and, and I think that. Operational excellence, you know, is important. Do they do they have a dedicated customer service team? Are they going to be there for you in, you know, times of uh, recovery or freight claim damage or, God forbid, a 
LTL carrier in the Northeast goes out of business and goes bankrupt all of a sudden, uh, like we experienced with Northeastern. Yep. So, you know, those that's the world of freight, right? You still got to move it no matter what happens, whether it's hurricane, tornado, freight damage, or a company goes out of business. And that operational excellence and the ability to be flexible and be there for your customer is is super important. And as a shipper, hey, you got options. It's a shipper's market. You got to be picky. You know, and at the end of the and at the end of the day, you got to be able to rely on the company you're partnering with. Yep, Adam. I think um, when you look, when you think about when you're, if, if I was doing a lot of LTL shipping, um, you know, manufacturer, distributor, retailer, whatever I might be, uh, makes a lot of sense to get my ops guys come visit and be really comfortable with the ops guy at the three PL. If if they walk into the back and say, "Oh my god," uh, <laughs> there's nothing back here. This is uh this is hollow. That's 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 just as bad as if the finance guy walks in and finds out the books are are not in order. So, and you know, we talked about transportation management system. I we split that one out because transportation management became it's obvious an op- operations uh, task, but became so important that it had its own category. And I think that's how we're looking at the world now. Ops is key. Yeah, and that alignment, you know, and that cross collaboration that's happening in your own organizations between customer service and sales and technology, it's happening at 3PLs where it should be happening. You know, those things are intertwined, um, you know, and that, that says a lot about one, the leadership and the makeup of the people in the organization. And that's actually your sixth point, And it goes right hand in hand with uh, operational excellence. You know, one of the things you talk about is senior management. What's the continuity of leadership there, right? You know, and I know I'm very fortunate uh, to work with the co-founders and the guys who are still running this shop, the Steves, right? Steve Ludvigson and Steve Rao, you know both of them. Yep. Um, but what are some other key things that a shipper really should be looking for when it comes to the the people and the organization that they're looking at? Yeah, I think first of all, there's a cultural fit that we all are looking for. Um, if you um, should meet these guys and they they're very formal and you're very informal, and there, maybe there's a, you have the sense like, gosh, we just we're oil and water. That's obviously bad, right? You want to have the right the right fit between your management, your team, and their team. And then, Adam, I'm a big believer that I want if for me if I'm picking a 3PL, I don't want to be just a number. I want somebody dedicated to my account and I want to have their mobile phone number. I want to be able to send them a text on Sunday night saying, hey, did that get delivered on Friday? I don't want to be told that, uh, yeah, just call the main number and you know give them your account information and they'll track it. And, they'll, and I want to start over every day. There's a, there's a certain thing that happens when you become you build a relationship with someone. There's a speed of trust. You know how they think. They know how you think. It, there's a shorthand. It just starts to happen. I say, I'm working with Adam, and Adam absolutely positively knows what I would want in this situation. I don't even have to call him because he already knows me. Um, so I want that dedicated resource. And again, I want to see that you're more than a sales organization. A lot of times um, in 3PLs, especially this as they were growing up, there's the owner who's very strong and he doesn't have an ops guy as strong as him. So he's kind of head of ops. Then he's also the best sales guy, right? And then since it's his money, he's very good with the, uh, he's the finance guy. So the owner and maybe some of his key people tend to do everything. 
uh, that that freaks me out a little bit. I want to see yeah. a solid organization where there's a head of operations, there's a head of finance, there's a head of um, the sales organization. They're not all the same guys. And so, again, this it, I think it goes without saying, but we're also looking for experience. I don't want to work with people who haven't managed freight like mine in the past. Yeah, you know, and I think that really is interesting as a company grows up, you know, we're in year 21 uh, here at Saracis with the two Steves that I mentioned. And, you know, year two, three, four, they were those two guys, right? As they built out the team, they were the best salesman and the best ops guy. But as they continued to grow and as I kind of came on board seven years ago, they really realized that if I keep continuing to do this, one, I can't meet our, our folks' needs. But as they added those managers, as they added employees, you know, I was employee 45, we're at 120 plus today. You tend to get bigger, but the the struggles with that as a big company is that you might have lessened your company culture if you don't work on it, right? Every 3PL, every company has its own unique culture. And you have eight really good bullet points that I think are worth exploring here for the traits of picking a company with good culture that I want you to talk a little bit about and why each of those are important. Yeah. So one of them, uh, well, one of them is transparency. One of them is integrity. I'll, I'll talk about those at the same time, if you don't mind, is I'm a big believer that, um, in, in, you mentioned, you heard I mentioned scorecards and KPIs. What I always want from my 3PLs, I want them to provide uh, great reports, scorecards and KPIs that we can review. And I want them to be able to feel comfortable, uh, if I select a 3PL, I want them to tell me the bad news on a regular basis. And so it takes a lot of integrity to show bad news. Uh, it shows a lot of transparency too. And I think this also requires something of the shipper. The shipper has to say, okay, uh, let's just say, Adam, you're the, you're the 3PL, I'm the shipper. When you tell me bad news, I can't scream bloody murder and say I'm going to kill you every time <laughs> because after a while you say – and if you keep shooting the messenger, the messenger is not going to come, right? So, so I'm I'm a big believer that be completely transparent as as much as you can be, and and that requires integrity to say, guys, we screwed up and your shipment didn't get there. Let us fix it. Not oh, I have no idea what the carrier did. It's as if it's not my problem, right? Well, uh, that's what I tell my kids. I go, hey, look, lying is pretty silly. Because you're going to get in trouble twice if you lie. And I can forgive uh, the you know mistake you made. And owning it teaches you how to overcome it next time. And that just builds. So just like with a shipper to a 3PL, hey, problems are going to happen. Our goal is to help you get the least amount of problems possible. To get to problem-free shipping as much as possible. But when they do happen, if we all own it and we all have that true partnership, then that's how you build that trust long-term. Absolutely. And and so th- there's some others that I really like is I want somebody who's going to be very proactive. Uh, you know, in, the, in our business, that extra phone call to make sure the shipper actually or the, the carrier actually picked up that extra phone call to say, did you want that expedited? That extra email that said, per our conversation, I did this. Those things solve bad bills. They solve all those little problems that we have. And it's just being a little more proactive, just being a little more responsive. And and it doesn't take much. It's not like a cost of fortune more. It's an extra head perhaps on over thousands of shipments. So 
what I'm always looking for is that that culture that has that proactive uh, attitude that also brings this responsiveness that we all need as shippers. Well, yeah, and and I think that you know that's what sh- I mean. Capacity crunches are going to happen. Hurricanes are going to come. It's going to back up. You know. Uh, your shipments, things are gonna happen. Uh, so when when someone feels that you're truly there for them at all times, good, bad, or indifferent, then they can bring continuity to their business and feel that the long term outlook looks bright. Because it's really hard to, as a shipper, say it's very important I get my materials on time so I can either, if I'm a manufacturer or, or wholesale distributor, get this product out to my customer in time. It is sometimes make or break for companies. And if you don't feel that company that you're hiring is going to have your back and be there at all times, then that's a tough place to operate from. And how do people check those things though, Joe? You know, those are very good points, right? So we need to think, talk about point number eight, which is what's the reputation and, oh yeah, can I call a bunch of your customers and what will they say? How do they go? How does a shipper go about doing that without making it feel weird? Yeah, well, I I, I don't feel weird about asking um, for references, and I don't feel bad when somebody asks me for references. In fact, it starts. I think it's a good thing because it kind of forces us as people who sell services um, to say I'm I'm going to do a good job. So I have some <laughs> reference customers, right? Um, yeah. I think when you're talking about references and reputation. You know, oh yeah, Google is a great tool these days. So we can all go online and Google things. And I, I didn't have it on my original list, Adam. If I was to rewrite this article today, I would say um, Google it, make sure that they have a website and all that. I would want to see content. I think it makes a lot of sense. And I'm not just saying this, Adam, because you you and Sarah just have filled the internet with content, and me, and me too. <laughs> yeah, not, not like you guys, but I a lot of articles. I think that that gives you a glimpse into the company's attitude. So the fact that you guys are writing articles about everything related to supply chain, that tells me something. You guys have a perspective. And also, I know you're from uh, the originally from marketing. You're working with your ops team to understand uh, what's the latest and greatest. What are we hearing? What's the problems? There's That's the only way you can write about them because you don't spend. That's right. You don't spend your days um, managing freight. No, yeah. I suspect at this point you could, though. (laughs) I I might be able to. I hope so. After these many years of of talking about it, but yeah, I I mean, when I when I talk to these ops folks, when I'm doing like we just did our inbound freight management series, the first place I went to was our freight desk, who deals with inbound freight day in and day out. The management of the freight desk. Then I went to even you know our account manager account managers. And I said, what's the, what, what are the current problems people are facing? You know, like there's a, a proposed rule change about the bumping rule, you know, and those are more tactical things, but you know, those are things that shippers need to know about. And, you know, we're going to put out that content to try, you know, as a way to raise our profile and our brand and, and generate leads. Yes. But at the same time, when we're marketing or we're selling, We've got to be able to make sure whatever we're putting out there, it lets people feel comfortable that the company they're about to give a lead to by downloading a white paper or filling out a contact form or calling into our our offices is going to also deliver the same product and that same information and that it will be solutions-based, that it will really listen to what they need and develop 
and this is the next point that, and the, and the final point, a, a good shipper's blueprint is what we call it, or statement of work that allows the onboarding of the solution to happen seamlessly. Because how many times have we picked a company maybe to paint our house or as a, or we've picked a, another 3PL or solution and it was a nightmare getting it on board and it just all fell apart despite those criteria checks? What in that area, how, how are 3PLs going to know, I mean, sorry, shippers going to know that 3PLs are going to be good at onboarding their new shipper customer? Yep. What should shippers consider? Well, I think it, it, I think of statement of works slash uh, implementation support. Um, what I want to see is first of that, that statement of work that it, that it's uh, jointly developed. Uh, I'm sure everybody has a standard, um, contract, all the larger 3PLs are going to bring that. I still think it makes sense to go into a, a meeting, maybe around a whiteboard and say, what what do we expect from each other? What do I owe you so we can be this relationship can be successful? And what do you owe me? And and that I'm not against a boilerplate, but be able to modify that boilerplate so we can both get our expectations t- uh, uh, written down. And and then part of that implementation, you should, I mean, it's just part of that contract. It should not be slanted. It should not have a whole bunch of legal jargon and, and, and fines and penalties for you. Every mistake you make along the way, you get um, hit. I don't want that. That seems like we're going into a, a mismatched relationship. Um, next, though, is that implementation support. That onboarding is so important. Adam, I've experienced this as a shipper, I've experienced this as a 3PL. And now as I consult 3PLs, I'm I'm hearing the same thing. You work really hard to get that business. And you say, yeah, this is exciting. We're going to start moving 60 shipments a week with this new shipper. We're going to do a great job. And then the first week, because you didn't do the implementation correctly, there's a whole bunch of failures, and now everybody in that organization, the suppliers, the maybe the senior management, all they hear is so-and-so is a horrible company. You've just sullied, you might have worked six months or a year to get that project, to get that customer, and you ruin it that first week. So I think we got to manage expectations. We have to put a project manager in place to say, let's get this implemented correctly. And so often I think um, – Salespeople, and again, I'm, I put my, I am a salesperson. Um, <laughs> we're so uh, excited, and maybe we're not. Maybe that's not our job to to bring that implementation. Somebody has to have that role to make sure that that implementation goes smoothly. Because in the beginning, there's going to be a lot of people who might not have been on board. Maybe your shipping guy said, oh, "I don't know, I don't care. I like the current guy, so I didn't want to move to this new 3PO." Then when you have some failure, they, they're, they're uh, justified in their, their thought process. So statement of work, very important. Implementation, onboarding, critically important. Otherwise, you're going to pay a big price. That's right. You know, and I think these are really some thorough, thought-provoking, you know, areas of consideration that a shipper should make when they're looking to hire a 3PL. You know, and I know... At Saracis, we are a 3PL. Uh, we want to make sure, however, and, and we say this really openly, that shippers really are looking for the right partner for them, that they're really getting down to the nitty gritty, scrutinizing these 3PLs, 
because it is important. It, it can make or break your business continuity. It can cause you to have a great quarter uh, if you choose the, or and a great next year if you choose the right 3PL and they're able to onboard you correctly, or it could decimate your quarter, year, or even your business if you choose the wrong one. So if you're a shipper, this is a was a must-hear podcast. Joe from the logistics of logistics.com. We'll make sure we get all the links to the listeners to go find out Joe and find him on LinkedIn and find out his website. Make sure you listen to his podcast as well. We'll put a link to the original article that was on the logistics of logistics.com about these 3PL selection criteria. And I can't thank you enough, Joe, for coming on the Freight Project podcast and giving us your insights. Uh, we'll have to have you again on uh, later on. Yeah, Adam, thank you so much. I know we've talked about being on each other's podcast for the last six months. I'm glad we finally got it taken care of. And Well, we had to work to get it launched, and I think we're both launched now, so here we are. We had to get, do the work, and now we can uh, have a little fun on each other's podcast. So thanks for being yeah, on again. Thank you so much, Adam, and thanks, everyone, for listening. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversations with experts in the logistics field. If you're an expert and would like to be featured on the Logistics of Logistics podcast, please email Joe Lynch at joe at the logisticsoflogistics.com. 